Let's continue talking about Generation Z in China. We know they've got the numbers. 254 million strong, $600 of revenue per month. They have the dynamics, a cutting-edge infrastructure, the technology, the will, the propensity. China's Zoomers are creating truly a new global youth culture. This is a live observatory of Gen Z at scale. So what can we learn from these Chinese Zoomers? What is the likely impact of this generation on tomorrow's world? In my opinion, three main trends emerge. Okay, this is nothing new and it has been commented to death uh, that in an apparent paradox, actually, technology and social media goes hand in hand with more individual loneliness. As I quote in my uh, blog, the Macan Gen Z report highlights that Gen Z in China in particular, among this global generation, feels this particular loneliness. There is nothing to disagree with, absolutely. Yes, right, just look at them walking around. They are at the same time physically and digitally present in the very same instant. They are swiping, thumbing, they are suddenly going into some frantic typing if they spot an image or if they've got absolutely to make a remark. They are here, present, in your physical sphere, but they are at the same time somewhere with someone doing something. Yet, you can see that they are alone in their own mind, within a kind of digital bubble, both physical and digital, at the very same moment. So, Dealing with them for whatever reason, private or business or whatever, we've got to set our expectations right here. I think that feeling lonely, this loneliness feeling, does not mean that they crave, they have a desperate need to reach out. On the very contrary, I think that picking and choosing with whom and how they interact is pretty much the norm for the Zoomers. After all, they know the tools, they have the tools to instantly, 24-7, anywhere, at any time, reach or be reached in any format, whether it be video, whether it is a picture, whether it is with a text, whether it is voice even. And this without any lag, not anymore, send email, wait 12 hours, right? So. I do think that to be able to survive mentally this new environment, their environment, they've developed a specific social filtering, which is the default, which is the norm, not anymore the exception. Ghosting is standard. This is part of your backpack of tools. This will redefine obviously personal relationship, but especially in the case of business, this means a new era entirely. Whether you are in China and you are dealing with relationships and personal relationships, correct, but these are personal relationships through WeChat, not personal relationships as they used to be most probably. Hence, when I read recently on LinkedIn a post by somebody who absolutely correctly said, for a certain generation, an email creates a reaction, a phone call starts a conversation, Thumbs up, absolutely agree, if you are dealing with a very specific public. 
Definitely not with, if you are trying actually to reach out to an audience below 25. Just try it. Try and call, call a Zoomer, any, even within your own family if you've got one. I can guarantee you, you will fall flat on your face. Either he will answer because he feels that he can't uh, do anything else and then he will have some kind of uh, dead tone person on the phone. But the the vast majority, the, the, the very highest likelihood is that the phone call will simply not be answered at all. Secondly, not only the tour will, will be dismissed, but you will be tagged. You, your business will be labeled. Your brand, you, will be seen as intrusive and needy. So forget the old ref uh, reflexes with this generation. If you've got a Zoomer target, this phone call is seen, in most cases, as a vastly disproportionate loss of time. This is not simply feelings or observation. This is literally what comes out of any and every single market research done on this Gen Z generation, if you decrypt what is found. Actually, looking at this communication research, and I, I quote yet again in my blog several examples of these research papers, you have to adapt your communication to the generation you want to target. As we said, Gen Z, forget the phone call. but if you want to target boomers, please pick up the phone. If you want to target excess, please write an email introducing why you want, and then you will be filtered. For Gen Z, use the appropriate social filters they are used to. Personally, I can share with you, I think that cold calling, insider sales and all of that, I've never seen it work. Maybe I'm totally wrong or I was in the wrong industry, but apart from, you know, this kind of uh, token validation, I've never had any love for these methods. On the very contrary, a little bit like the CEOs, I mostly saw it as intrusive. So, a new loneliness, a new feeling of loneliness within the existing tech world, which uh, they have, a loneliness which will create and does create already some very, very specific movement and taking, some will say maybe extremes, but I think that looking at virtual companions, which have been promised to us by science fiction since now 50 years or plus, they are here, they exist, maybe not physically, we don't have yet robots walking in our streets, but there is definitely a new emerging trend, which is around virtual companions. Why? Because here, not only for business or interpersonal relationship, we talk about private relationships. This generation, China in particular, but the rest of the world as well, is judged and be judged at the swipe of a button. Social ranking in China is pretty much standards and basically your rating gives you uh, access or not to some services or specific offers. So why, when you can swipe your relationships like that, why lose time and try and connect with someone who, however, may definitely not fit your target, may definitely not fit what you expect? Is it, again, a loss of time? I so believe so. And hence, what is the immediate benefit in going through the traditional meet and greet and get to know the parents and so on? Well. I think that this is really a fascinating trend which is emerging right now, both in China, but also, let's say, globally.
And this trend is the explosion in virtual companions. So let me ask you, have you ever heard about Waifu and Aspondo? No? Okay. So if yes, you can skip the, the, the coming minute. You can go and have a coffee if you wish. Um, definitely, this is a new trend. So if you did not hear about it, let's read the words again loud. Out loud, sorry. Waifu as bendo. So wife and husband, or girlfriend and boyfriend, basically you will have your, your poster your poster wall uh, filled with pictures. And obviously this trend was pioneered where else than in Japan, and especially within the Japan nerd culture, the otaku culture. So these, uh, these virtual companions, whether they are digital, whether they are anime, whether they are uh, actually uh, celebrities and so on, are essentially proxy partners. They are imaginary friends, imaginary digital boyfriends and girlfriends. They are totally created constructions just to give you something to bounce back your loneliness about. Looking into this uh, relationship and dealing with the McCann report about loneliness and what you do expect from a relationship in China, you will see that there is a disproportionate amount of people who actually reference this very husband waifu trend. And yes, uh, intellectually, we all know about the robotic, the android, or the cyborg artificial partners, which were foreseen for many, many years in, in movies and novels. It is here. It is extremely successful. It has even its own subreddit channel, which is kind of uh, internalization for trends. This is an extremely intellectual movement, actually using the tech background, using the digital background, the landscape, to actually create your alter ego, if you want, your ideal partner. The next step, of course, could be either to create an automated personality. We, we have more and more and more of uh, AI tools to do that. So to give yourself not only an image, uh, inanimate image, but an image which could interact with you, or even, even an Android, as we know, um, this is around the corner. And if not a, a physical Android, probably holograms will be available within a couple of years. So. Far away from Blade Runner, not so much. So basically here, social digital engineering and social filtering go hand in hand. This is, I think, something which makes this individual loneliness element, this trend, a failsafe in a crowded personal digital world. You can complain whatever you want about social media and internet and, and, and mental theory groups. And, and, and I think that this is truly one of the elements which will generate a new trend in this Gen Z in China, as well as around the world. We can identify a second trend with this uh, Zoomers generation, especially in China. Well, just open up your latest uh, BBC 
report, and you will see that actually there is a video which has been banned in China, which accuses the little pinkies. What are the little pinkies? These are the, what I would call the Chinese defenders going online to defend China whenever China is criticized for whatever reason. Well, fair enough. At least you've got now something else to, to look at in, in, the coming, in the coming hour. But in the meantime, the second trend is in parallel globalization and localization. This is pretty much Newton, uh, Newton's third law, right? For any action, there is a reaction. And China Gen Z follows these laws. As much as they go global, as much they go local at the very same time. Technical term, you've got a macro and a micro effect. So on the macro side, we can say that China is fully integrated to this global culture. And yes, you may not be entirely familiar with K-pop, Korean pop, if you want, and, and Korean cinema, but take more globally known ones, such as the games, such as the music, the fashion and lifestyles. Well, China is over there. I know that some were rather surprised to see, for example, the extent of the Japanese skate culture, which were illustrated in the last Olympics. Uh, but this is just uh, an illustration of the fact that Asian culture in general is much more global than is globally known. Uh, here for China, we talk about fashion and lifestyles, we talk about TV shows, we talk about movie franchises. When and if the Chinese government reacts to this and that trend, this is because it is quite important. So let's just take one critical example. China as a market, and China Gen Z in particular, is now a critical part of any and every Hollywood movies release calendars. This gives you the importance of this generation within even a global culture such as Hollywood movies. We are very, very far away, I think, from the token appearance of Shanghai as a background, which used to be the staple 10 years ago. We saw that in many action movies. We saw that in the Transformers, for example. But let's look at present examples. Let's look at things which happened over the last six months, over the last months even. Two elements, for example, gaming. Well, we can say that Gaming is global. Actually, it is not really global for very practical reasons, which have to do with language in particular, but also because in China, the distribution is in the hands of Tencent. And recently, Fortnite decided to stop operating in China. The reason, the official reason given was basically that they could not make the business model work for them. As you may know, Fortnite is a free-to-play, game but obviously what is expected from you is if you if you want your character to look decent then you've got to buy what is called skins which is basically the way they look weapons packs and so on and so forth so fair enough this is the official statement but if you put fortnite aside yes it is extraordinarily successful in what i would call the western world in general but in china you do have the local stars, you do have Apex Legends, you do have PUBG, 
all of these games are not only locally significant, they are globally heavyweights in the same breath as Fortnite. So actually, the closing of Fortnite in China, contrary to whatever we may see, we may think, did not create the wave of anger, the wave of revolt, which we would have seen in any other country in the world, to be very, very honest. Let's take another example, and, and let's make it a little bit broader, maybe. Do you know the uh, Squid Games series on Netflix? I'm, I'm pretty certain you've heard about it. And yes, you may certainly know as well that Netflix is not available in China. Well, guess what? It's not available in China, yet Squid Game is pretty much top of the mind of any Gen Z in China. How do I know that? Well, just type Squid Games China in any browser or any search engine you want and you will see what I mean. Businesses, uh, remarks, forums about it, the latest episode and so on. Let's talk about K-pop, inevitably, Korean pop music. It is so popular in China that the Chinese government actually banged on the table and said that they did not want any more pictures of CC boys. CC boys, why? Because actually, yes, the uh, Korean pop music has made a trademark of his uh, singers wearing makeup and being indeed pampered a little bit, not to say feminine. But the core here is that this celebrity culture is hugely influential in China and has generated its own Chinese subculture. That is not what the Chinese government think is necessary for this new generation. Hence, they're banging on the table, they're limiting of gaming to three hours a week, which is unheard of in the rest of the world. And indeed, the clamping down on this celebrity culture to try and rein in a little bit the wilder aspects of it. Now you could say, oh yeah, yeah. No. around the world, there are always all of these subcultures. Well, remember the story about the 600 US dollars of disposable income. How do I know that? Well, because luxury and makeup brands actually conducted local studies to understand how and why there is an explosion in the makeup markets locally. And guess what? It is actually driven by this young generation. So I think that Gen Z in general, and in China in particular, is confronted with, has access to, a wild array of cultures. They can change global cultures on a whim from the US Marvel comic, MCU kind of uh, background culture to Japanese animes, just to take entertainment and, and, and comic books, from Korean movies up to American soaps, as we can see, whether it be uh, Game of Thrones, whether it be Squid Games from Korea. I think that Gen Z in general and in China as well is truly global, even if we sometimes forget about it a little bit. At the same time, I do think, as I said in the beginning, that this generation goes back to its deeper roots, quite literally, as well as figuratively. This generation sees the future not about epicness and, and achievement and success as such. I think that on the social level, this generation sees success 
first and foremost within a community with a strong sense of belonging to. How do I see that? Well, first and foremost, in Chinese Zoomers in particular, and we saw that very recently with, um, with the, the, the discussion around the Dior uh, advertisement, which was portraying a Chinese woman with slanted eyes, which was seen as derogatory uh, for young uh, Chinese women. I think that these Chinese Zoomers in particular have a very strong feeling towards brands and towards the market. They have a very direct impact on the consumption attitude and choices, obviously. They prefer local brands. They showed it time and time and time and time again that if a local brand can deliver on the same level as a global brand, there is no contest and immediately you will have a competition which is based around the brand promise, about the brand message, much more than whether or not this makes sense to have an international brand. Being an international brand is not anymore a recipe for success. You need much deeper roots than that. Boycotts are by now not infrequent and sometimes they, they, they take extremely um, spectacular turns, but that is because this Gen Z generation in China does expect international brands to respect the local cultures, the local markets, and to respect them fundamentally. So pride in the country goes hand in hand with international consciousness. Pride in the country goes hand in hand with globalization. This is true not only in China, but we see that in many, many countries at the moment. And of course, there will be this micro and macro movement. So I think that we are going to towards a global insularity, if that makes sense, and if it is a little bit a new concept. Fundamentally, if you remember the first trend we saw, this loneliness within a vast group of persons, it is exactly the same on the country level as it was on an individual level. I think that this Gen Z, and, and this is true for China, this is true for, for, uh, for the rest of the world, is all about being close to earth, down to earth, pragmatic. Ambitions are not anymore absolutes. Ambitions are tailored towards pragmatic realities. I think that even if you take China, you can see a fundamental difference between the Zoomers and the millennials here. Fundamentally, this is, I think, I, I did not coin this, uh, this sentence. This is in the McCann report. The Gen Z looks for the extraordinary ordinary. I think this is a very, very good sentence. This is a very, very good uh, definition. At heart, first and foremost, what they are looking for is to have a decent life. And that is radically new compared to the millennials. Here, Yes, you will continue to see and you will continue to have the influencers. You will continue to see people with LV bags in Dubai, on the beach. Not a problem. Okay, But I think that emerging from the frenzy of the last 10 years on social media, but also I would say in the, in the physical world, there will be a moment where physically, visually, economically, these trends, this frenzy will come down. And this generation is the one which will take stock of all the progress made, will take stock of all this radical reshaping of China in particular, 
and look forward to having a decent life. What does it mean? Well, for companies, this means something radically new. And I will just take one example. If there is something which is Gen Z, it has to be ByteDance. It has to be TikTok. Okay. ByteDance, actually, the company behind TikTok, they originate from China. To a large extent, we can say that TikTok leads Gen Z in a very organic way. So, if this company, ByteDance, in China, decides officially to move from the 996 world culture, which means that if you were a good Chinese citizen, if you were a good Chinese worker, if you were a good Chinese entrepreneur, you were working from 9 to 9, six days a week. That was the minimum expected from you. And ByteDance decided to move to a 10-7-5 culture. What does it mean? From 10 to 7 per day, six days, five days a week. This is not out of charity only or at all. This is out of adaptation to this new culture. I think that we can all measure how the clock has turned since the days of Jack Ma. If you remember, back then, in the ancient times of 2019, Jack Ma, the great ancestor of the Chinese metaverse, the great ancestor of the Chinese tech infrastructure, was glorifying the people living by the 996 and vilifying the people who thought it was a little bit extreme. Third implication, third trend, Gen Z will change the way we look at youth within the society. This is a radical trend. This is something which is on par with, if not more important than anything we have seen so far. Why? Well, most of our marketing minds, most of our wisdom, our social analysis, come from the post-World War uh, period, the 50s. During the 50s, you had a massive change because the generation, which was the boomers, came from a dependent position before the war to an opinion leader position. Why? Because they had numbers, which is logical, which used to be the case with any and every single country. But as well, they had the economic means, the economic freedom, as well as the social authorizations to spend the money and hence they move from dependence, the kids, the children, to become actually opinion leaders during the swinging 60s. Youth were the physical future, the economic future, the social future, the cultural future. Now, well, the population structure worldwide is changing and we've got a structure which is radically different between the 50s and the 60s and the year 2020 and above. In the 60s, two-thirds of the population was below 40. Let me qualify that. Two-thirds of the addressable population was below 40. That is, two-thirds of the population above 10 years old. Address addressable is fundamentally the, the notion of the population with money to spend. 66% in the 60s 
50%, 52% to be precise, in 2020. That is a drop of nearly 20%. On the other side, this means that 48% of the addressable population is older than 40. This is also something new. Again, the inversion of age pyramids mean that the generations represent a different ratio, a different balance than they used to be. In this pyramid, we do have the kids of the 50s and the 60s who experimented freedom and generational change. These are the boomers. They are still pretty much here. Again, older than 40, 48%. Some excess, some boomers. So yes, I agree. Okay, boomer is a cute meme. I love it. This is a snarky catchphrase and the young people love it to dismiss uh, or mock what I would call the wisdom or the attitudes of people born in the 50s and the 60s. Fundamentally, let's translate that. Is it a radical idea to think that all the people's ideas are old? I'm not so sure, but okay. Okay, boomer, again, love it. Yet, the figures are here. We move from two-thirds of the population below 40 to 50% of the population over 40. The value of youth within this society is hence changing. And the new values are still up in the air. They are still in the making. In the 60s, again, youth became this absolute, an absolute value at the heart of targeted marketing. Basically, the equation was simple. Young equals new, new equals progress, progress equals attractive, attractive equals cool, want to have, want to buy, and so on and so forth. Well, where did it come? It came from a radical change in the educational conditions, the score for everybody, economic conditions, a boom around the world, cultural changes, again, intrinsically changing the role of youth within the economic society. And hence, you had slogans, probably, you remember these ones, be square or be there, uh, be there or be square. That's, that was from the 50s. That was the jazz years. Then a little bit later, you had, uh, again, die young, stay pretty, which was the 70s, and so on and so forth. And hence, you had a linear timeline of fashion, of lingo, from the 50s onward until the 2000s. Then, there seems to be a little bit of a stop. And then you see more and more and more fashion recycling. And basically, you can see the loop of trends from the hippies to the pounds to the new wave to the techno, essentially looping around for the last 10 years. So this is not only the aging population, which creates a change, in my opinion. This is not only because the population is aging that the role of youth is changing. It is also the attitude of the Zoomers themselves that make the very role of youth evolve in our societies. That is also the case in China. Yes, we do know that you had the one-child policy, but if you look at what Gen Z tells us, if you look at what China tell, Gen Z tells us, youth is less of a virtue in and by itself. It is another niche for a new marketing landscape. That is true, correct, but it is alongside the others. It is not anymore the spearhead. It is not anymore the cutting edge of trends. Being young does not have the same weight anymore. Not in China, not anywhere in the world. 
And you know what? Gen Z seems quite okay with that. We saw earlier on, you know, the extraordinary ordinary, but, you know, well, yeah, we are another segment. They don't believe so much in what they are being told. They don't believe so much in the marketing. But they do understand the role and they do accept it. What will be the four balance, the full set of new values? Well, I don't know yet. And basically, what I would say is that Gen Z in general, and China Gen Z in particular, is our mind canary within this new landscape on how to deal with youth, how to identify it, how to service it, how to address it. So how, for example, would I address this Gen Z? How would I talk to them? I take a Western example. Well, you could try to twitch to, you know, look young, do young, talk young. And many politicians of many stripes have tried it and done it uh, in the past months or years. For me, it's a very nice gimmick. And uh, at least it introduced to many people this medium as a whole. So you would do, you know, your Twitch interview with AOC and so on. Oh, wow, how cool are you? Well, I'm sure that Jeff Bezos and Amazon are certainly extremely happy with the, 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 the new traffic generated and the fact that somehow Twitch became further than the simple gaming community, uh, a more mainstream channel. But in its stick, I strongly doubt it. Let's be frank here. I think that it slots nicely alongside the dark jokes and the drunken call wedding dances. I think, fundamentally, it is extremely cringy. Twitch is for Twitch, and I don't think that anybody else has got to speak on it to, to make it absolutely uh, clear. But actually, if you want to address Gen Z, again, talking from a Western perspective, you can use Discord. China, you've got a channel called Duin. Basically, Discord is something which is truly fascinating to me. Ignore the technical aspects, I'm not going to talk about them, but look at the way it was transformed, it was morphed by its own users over time. For those of you who are a little bit into the, the gaming community, you know that it started off as a group voice system, a raid voice system to actually talk to your friends, talk to your, uh, to your team, uh, while you were either fighting against uh, other teams or you were trying to raid a boss. Well, actually, Discord replaced more dedicated and more complicated uh, solutions such as TS um, or uh, TeamSpeak or Ventrilo. These complicated systems required a minimum, a modicum of technical proficiency, private servers being set up, and Discord basically proposed an extremely simple interface, very simple and straightforward technical solution. In a way, Discord democratized voice channels for games raid for everybody. So, to give you an example, if you ever saw pictures of gamers uh, hunched in front of their screens with uh, either a gigantic headset or a hoodie with being or both at the same time, well, they are more than likely to be actually chatting on Discord. So, Discord went on from this raid channel to a real live engagement tool for Gen Z. And this touches any and every single topic. This moved from a gaming platform to a social interaction platform. And here it moved from, again, pure games to thematic communities for anything and everything. Let's look at Reddit. 
actually you do have dormant ready channels as a background to Gen Z communication pretty much everywhere. If I take the whole meme stocks saga, uh, which you may remember from January 2021, the famous GameStop uh, investment and the Reddit subforum uh, which led it, which was uh, Wall Street Bets, they did have and they did conduct heated discussions on a Discord server. Actually, you may have heard that they were banned at some point from Discord, but let's look at the figures because so far it's very material. Well, if I look at the Reddit subforum Wall Street Bets, they've got more than half a million members. And on a normal day, you will have 40,000 to 50,000 people speaking live. When I talk about numbers during the GameStop saga, you had an average of 80,000 people on the server to the extent that Discord probably frightened that it may evolve into unwanted uh, communication banned actually the Wall Street Bets Discord server. Since then, it is back on. But this actually leads to a completely different way of engaging. And this is where this Gen Z in China and in the rest of the world, I think, will have an extremely different impact than their predecessors. Whether we use Discord as a social engagement tool, it is fundamentally a new ecosystem. And I will just take one example, which is that some companies already use that as a backbone communication system. Guess what? When they deal with Gen Z, well, they have to use the tools of Gen Z. And hence, a company like Takeaway.com, for their delivery drivers, mostly students, they do use Discord as a background channel. Well, you can say in China, you will have YYY live, sorry. And you have actually a picture of what these new uncharted channel, maybe these new uncharted solutions, maybe. Well, to conclude, first and foremost, millennials are not anymore the youth. This is a key change. This is a crucial turn of events. Inevitably, this happens every generation. So we could dismiss it and say this is just another turn of the wheel of time. This is just another generation coming up. Let's look at what makes them different. And we could stick to the exotic parts of it, the new tools, the new language, the new habits. Or we could say, well, what will change is the way we look at youth because their way of looking at themselves is rather different from the previous generation. This is not a new fashion cycle. This is not the next new youth for me. Gen Z is really eroding a new way of looking at society. For this, the numbers, the potential, the dynamics in China make it the ideal outpost to observe that. China, for me, is nothing else than the best laboratory to observe what Gen Z will mean for all of us tomorrow. I can't wait for it, to be honest.